the middle schoolers? How'd they fare in the challenge? That's a great question. In 2021, a high school student actually solved the Code Breaker Challenge. That person was one of 38. Out of how many? Approximately five. 5,000 to 5,500 participants. Wow. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. Inside the NSA's Codebreaker Challenge. And the state of cybersecurity education within the United States. It's Thursday, August 31st, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. Another Republican lawmaker is demanding answers on the federal government's continued arrangement teleworking. Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa sent dozens of letters this week to inspectors general at major federal agencies with concerns that federal employees are, quote, phoning it in. Ernst wants to know how telework has impacted service delivery and resulted in wasted taxpayer dollars as office space at federal buildings goes unused. She's also probing to see if steps have been taken to adjust bureaucrats' location-based salaries for those who have relocated and chosen to remain out of the office. Her letters point to one case where a manager responsible for helping veterans schedule appointments at the Atlanta VA Medical Center posted a photo on social media of himself working while taking a bubble bath. Meanwhile, the wait times for veterans to get an appointment at the Atlanta Medical Center are some of the worst in the country, Ernst claims, and one such veteran temporarily lost his eyesight while waiting six months for an appointment with an eye doctor at the Atlanta VA, she wrote in her letters. In other news coming from the Capitol, Senator Chuck Schumer has invited some of the biggest names in commercial tech to join members of Congress for a closed-door session on AI. The confirmed guest list for Schumer's September 13th AI Insight Forum includes Google CEO Sundar Pinchai, Tesla X and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, NVIDIA President Jensen Huang, Meta founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg, technologist and Google alum Eric Schmidt, OpenAI CEO San Altman, and Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. The Senate Majority Leader has planned nine different forums beginning with next month's that will focus on potential avenues for regulating AI technology. These insight forums will focus on issues including national security, privacy, high-risk applications, bias, and the implications of AI for the workforce, gathering both those bullish on AI as well as skeptics and critics of the technology. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. Each year, the National Security Agency hosts the Codebreaker Challenge, an annual cryptanalysis and reverse engineering event that gives U.S. students a hands-on experience working with an NSA mission-centric scenario that showcases the type of work the agency does every day. The challenge for 2023 will launch in late September, and NSA will soon begin accepting registrations for the event. To discuss more about the Codebreaker Challenge and the push to attract more students to computer science, engineering, and other tech and cyber-related fields, Rita Dewar, Academic Outreach Lead at the NSA Cybersecurity Directorate, joins my CyberScoop colleague Elias Grohl for a conversation. Rita Dewar. You're the Academic Outreach Lead at the NSA Cybersecurity Directorate. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. We're here at the Black Hat Security Conference in Las Vegas, and you've just presented on the NSA's Codebreaker Challenge, 
And I'm curious, I thought we might start with the Codebreaker Challenge. And perhaps for listeners who might not be familiar with it, maybe you could start off by just explaining what it is, what the Codebreaker Challenge tries to do. Certainly. So about 10 plus years ago, folks like myself, academic liaisons from the agency who are kind of associated with one or more colleges or universities around the United States, would regularly visit our respective colleges, universities, tech fairs, career fairs, whatnot. And we would come back and sit around a table at the agency saying, you know, resoundingly, we keep getting asked, what does NSA do? And short of saying, well, you know, I have to shoot you if I really tell you, um, <laughs> we realized that we needed to come up with some some means, some unclassified scenario, challenge, if you will, that mimicked as close to real life what NSA cyber analysts go through on a daily mission. The challenge was conceived, was born around 2012 with the first challenge in 2013. And what do you do in the challenge? It's for students, it's for, for young people, it's right? For, it's geared initially at post-secondary level, colleges and universities. So schools um, around the U.S. and associated territories are encouraged to participate, register with your school email address. Within the past couple years, alumni and faculty have been encouraged to participate, so faculty can get a sense of the level of technical rigor that's involved with the challenge. One of the interesting phenomenon that I've noted over the past 10 years is that somewhere around the 2015-2016 timeframe, the names of the schools had the word high school or school district in their names. Okay, wow. A little more investigation revealed that we indeed did have high school participants in this challenge. And I dare say, as we are sitting here, quite possibly even middle school students, which is mind-blowing and phenomenal and is a, a wonderful, wonderful slight deviation from the intent of just explaining to college and university students what NSA does. Mm. So how did the high school kids do? Or, and the, the middle schoolers? Um, how did they fare in the challenge? That's a great question. In 2021, a high school student actually solved the Codebreaker Challenge. That person was one of 38. Out of how many? I'm going to say approximately 5,000 5, to 5,500 participants. Wow. Yes. So it's less than, well, less than 10%. Oh, less than 1% actually complete the challenge exactly okay yeah so so that that in and of itself was mind-boggling it just yeah and the goal here is to try to encourage students to engage with concepts in cryptography and cybersecurity. what are the what are the skills that they're trying you're trying to foster with this challenge yeah good question what what we want to do is to encourage students developing skills in not only software development Cryptography, cryptanalytics, so cryptology is our bread and butter, but software reverse engineering, so web hacking skills, web reverse analysis, forensics from both a, a log and, and files and network perspective. So we're wanting to either, you know, be able to showcase students' knowledge, current, current knowledge, and or enable them to learn and enhance their skills. Okay. And so you're, you've just announced this year's Codebreaker Challenge. Do you want to walk us through it real quick? What are students going to be asked to do this year? Yeah. So this year's scenario is a fictitious one like they have been. 
the U.S. Coast Guard has discovered some sort of unknown signal emanating about 30 miles outside the continental U.S. And NSA has been called in to be able to determine what that signal is and its place of origin. Much like last year's Codebreaker Challenge, there will be another nine tasks. So the challenge is divided into a, a series of tasks, each of which are successively harder in nature. Some tasks give hints or insights into subsequent tasks. A student successfully solving a particular task will accrue points, and then his or her points are accumulated over the course of the entire challenge. But then those points also contribute to the overall school's performance as well. So the challenge for 2023 then is to interpret and discover the signals of origin, but specifically to locate and analyze what produced the signal, discover an active collection operation tasked by some rogue server, and then lastly, to subvert that rogue server to stop the original collection device. This is an end-to-end -end NSA operation. This is indeed. Wow. Okay. What information are the students given when they start this? I mean, this sounds really hard and, and technical. I wouldn't know where to start. So that's another good question. The information I just provided is essentially what they will see when they register for the challenge. Okay. There may be some additional background knowledge. That's it. Each of the tasks are designed so they are increasing in complexity. I was asked a question this morning, you know, is the very first or second task like super, super hard? Like, no, because we want to give them a sense of confidence that they've, you know, <laughs> uh, solved one or two of the tasks so that they could move on. Mm. But some of the initial tasks are more exploratory in nature to give some background about the particular signal or the particular server in nature. Okay. And so just stepping back a little bit, we're in the middle of this cybersecurity workforce crisis. There's more cybersecurity jobs out there than there are workers to fill them. And at the same time, U.S. businesses and computer systems are getting hacked left and right. And not a day goes by without somebody in the industry bemoaning this workforce challenge. So one of the things that has to happen, right, is students need to learn these skills if they're gonna fill these jobs. Correct. So from where you're sitting, what's the state of US students' cybersecurity skills? What does that landscape look like? I guess, yeah. how, are the, how are the kids doing? How are the kids doing? So from just a personal case in point, my youngest daughter went in high school, was required by the time she was a sophomore to take computer science and networking courses required. So over the past five, 10 years, the curriculum from a secondary perspective has definitely become more technical savvy, requiring everyone to have this requisite background. One of the things that NSA has done also over the past 10 years or so is partnering with the National Science Foundation on an effort called Gen Cyber which is trying to increase the next generation of cyber stars within the US. It's a K through 12 program focused primarily middle school and high school where students have an opportunity to attend a free camp during the summer. Over the years, they've included a teacher camp so that teachers who are teaching maybe social studies or math want to find out ways to incorporate cyber into their their content of their classes can do so but again all of these are free camps 
that are paid for by NSA and NSF grants. How many, do you know how many kids off the top of your head you put through those camps? So for just this year alone, so the program began in 2014 with eight summer camps. This year, 2023, there are 163 camps in 47 states, plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. I'll pause here and say, this is my second time in Las Vegas in two weeks. I attended a gen cyber camp at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas with high school students and was encouraged to attend on the final day, the Friday, so I could participate in a cyber escape room. That was <laughs> phenomenal. But with Gen Cyber, speaking of it since its inception, over 20,000 middle and high school students and over 4,500 secondary teachers have participated in this program. That's great. Another part of your portfolio is the workforce strategy, mm -hmm. recently released by the White House yes. to try to boost the number of workers in the U.S. cybersecurity agency, yeah. or in the U.S. cybersecurity workforce, rather. And I'm curious if you can just talk through, how does NSA fit into that? What are you trying to do at NSA to try to boost that workforce? What does that look like? That's a great question. So NSA was one of about three dozen federal agencies that participated in the strategy. The National Cyber Workforce and Education Strategy has four main pillars. The first is to ensure that all U.S. citizens have the requisite cyber skills to make it in the world that we live in today. Another pillar deals with strengthening the federal cyber workforce. Third pillar deals with increasing the skills from just a national cyber workforce to make sure there's requisite programs in place. And last but certainly not least, a pillar near and dear to my heart is to increase cyber education and training not only from a post-secondary perspective, but a K through 12 as well. Mm. I was having lunch with some folks from, well, it was, it was off the record, so I won't say what they, where they worked, but they worked within the federal government. And I told them that I was meeting with you and they said, please tell Rita, we think that high school students should just be given internships at cybersecurity organizations and thrown in the deep end and learn that way. I have to ask you that question since okay. they asked me about it. What do you think of that idea? Just getting kind of high school students involved more directly right off the bat. So NSA has a high school work study program. Oh, wow. Where we hire about 200 or so high school students, seniors, who participate in any number of work roles throughout the agency computer skills and cyber is also one of them. Once they complete that senior year, half is spent in school, half is spent working at the agency, we have another program that will transition them into full-time employment at the agency. And then should they want to go on for an associate's or bachelor's degree, they're enabled to do so through the agency sponsorship. Agency will pay for it. Agency will pay for it agency pays for a lot of educational lives okay. paid for my PhD yeah oh wow yeah so thought one thought two I think it's incumbent upon the federal cyber workforce to make sure that high school students have a strong foundational background in cybersecurity so making sure that they can get as much cyber education as possible and then throwing them into the workforce 
would be my idea. NSA also sponsors a cooperative education program so that you can be going for your bachelor's degree a semester or so at a time and then come to work for the agency for a semester or so and then go back and do this over a course of probably five years. Many of those students from the co-op program go on to work at NSA full time. Stepping back more and looking more kind of big picture, it feels to me like the education and the workforce challenge is trying to turn this giant ship of the youth or young people of America and try to give them these new skills and that turning this very large ship is quite difficult and wondering where do you think we are in, in, in turning that shift? Do you think we're starting to hit the numbers that we need? Do, do we still have a long way to go? Where are we right now yeah. in your estimation? So the, depending upon which article you read, which website you go to, I believe the cyber workforce and education strategy quoted somewhere in the order of 700,000 job available within the cyber workforce. We are nowhere close to bridging that gap. However, programs like Gen Cyber, programs that enable students to get a taste for what it's like to work in the cybersecurity field while still finishing their high school degree, pursuing a college degree is important. One thing I want to I want to mention, I want to take pause here. One of the things that the workforce strategy wants to change is the fact that we have many folks out there who don't necessarily possess a four-year college degree in cybersecurity or a STEM-related field who are very qualified to join the cyber workforce. So there are folks from two-year community colleges who have then work experience are those who are quite capable of performing very well in the cyber workforce. So I think one of the things that they wanted to stress in the strategy was to reduce the prerequisite, if you will, from maintaining or mandating having a four-year college degree to be able to enter the cyber workforce. Mm. Do you buy that number, that 700,000 number? One thing we talk about a bit in the office, was we get pitched a lot of cyber workforce stories. You can imagine people yeah. are getting in touch with us yeah. all the time about the, the cyber workforce gap and how they yeah. have a plan to solve it. And at a certain point, you really begin to question these numbers and, and wonder if they're real. Do you, do you buy that 700,000 number? Is, it a, is that a strong, solid number? I mean, looking at some of the websites and some of the, the data that they provide, it's, it's kind of hard to refute something like that. Mm. Is it exactly 700,000 and not 650,000? I don't know. Point of it is, we have a gap. We have a big gap. And we're trying to do everything in our power to minimize and reduce that gap. And ensuring that we have smart folks coming up in our cyber education pipeline is what we're trying to do. Okay. One of the other kind of fundamental things I know the agency is working on at the moment is, is trying to push secure code. And the White House has talked a lot about this, trying to move away from memory unsafe languages towards languages that don't include some of the basic bugs, trying to eliminate classes of bugs by shifting towards other programming languages. I know you're involved a bit in the secure coding initiative? I am. 
Rob Joyce a couple years ago got me hooked on this problem and wanted to ensure that undergraduate collegiate computer science curriculum required a course in software security, software design, secure coding. Last November, I believe, NSA released an article about memory-safe languages, in particular Rust. Mm. So one of the efforts that I'm working on is trying to ensure that, one, we have such a course available, combining the knowledge of the Rust programming language along with some secure coding principles, and also making sure there's a buzz throughout private industry to ensure that students that they hire after they complete their bachelor's degree or associate's degree have the requisite secure coding skills Mm -hmm. to be able to participate in the workforce from a very cyber secure development perspective. What's your sense of the job that computer science departments are doing, teaching secure coding skills to students? I know a lot of computer science graduates who went through college never having really taken a course focused on security issues. Is that changing from your perspective? Is there any progress there? We are making some through the NSA's National Centers for Academic Excellence in Cybersecurity. We have three designations, one in cyber operations, one in cyber defense, and one in research. In order for a post-secondary institution to be designated in one of those three areas, their curriculum has to adhere to a certain criteria or knowledge units. I was on a review panel about a year ago for both the cyber operations and cyber defense knowledge units and realized, scarily, that secure coding was only an optional element of the designation and not required. So we quickly fixed that. So that meant that of the 420 schools that are currently designated as a CAE, that those schools will be mandated to adhere to those new requirements from a secure coding perspective. Okay. What do you think is missing right now from the effort to try to improve the quality of the cybersecurity workforce, the quality of or the security consciousness of programmers, folks in the tech industry? What's missing for you at the moment? I think... We're all abuzz these days about AI, ML. I wish there was an equal buzz about secure coding. You know, you see malware and vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities exist within software. People are developing the software. So ultimately, it goes back to the human in the loop having the knowledge, the requisite knowledge to be able to program in a very secure way. So I think what's missing is having that buzz, if you will, from a private industry perspective. I think they're the ones that really need to kind of put their foot down and say, hey, we need to make sure we have students who have these skills when we hire them. And please ensure that they have those skills upon graduation. So that means that they have to go back and kind of rework a curriculum in computer science, which is chock full of required courses to begin with, right? So in addition to maybe developing a new secure coding class, which focuses on the Rust programming language, one of the other ideas was to take the intro to programming class, the intro to security class, and embed some security tool, whether static or dynamic, so that students have some real world appreciation of some of the tools that are available in private industry. 
I mean, especially when we look at AI ML right now, when I when I talk to folks in in industry, that's it's kind of alarming what's happening with some of these AI ML models that are just being deployed willy nilly with just missing kind of basic security precautions, yeah. rate limiting, being able to inject code into models for you know arbitrary code execution, and these are products that are being rushed to market yeah. amid this fervor, right? Yeah. And that security consciousness, it's just, it's not, it's not quite there. No, I think ultimately at the end of the day, you know, getting the product out there, meeting a deadline, making sure some sort of financial commitment is adhered to is first and foremost on a lot of people's minds. How that is being done remains to be seen. Okay. I think that's a great note to end on. Rita, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You can learn more about the cyber workforce shortage at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. With the Labor Day holiday approaching next week, our next episode is coming up next Thursday, September 7th. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.